eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prairie. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And with it being Friday and the NCAA tournament normally going on right now, we'd be the second day of the first round of the tournament. Eric and I decided that we're going to kind of discuss just the best buzzer beaters in Oregon men and women's basketball history. And before we dive into this, I want to remind people out there, if you are looking for a VIP membership to get you away from the coronavirus, get you updated on Oregon football recruiting, Oregon basketball recruiting, or women's basketball recruiting, uh, team coverage, and all of that, you can join DuckTerritory.com. You can get a 50% off an annual VIP membership. It's typically $9.95 per month, but if you build up front, but if you Subscribe today, you'd be billed $53.70, which comes out to $4.48 per month that you're paying. Inside scoop, expert analysis, you get to read all the content across all the 24-7 sports sites, not just DuckTerritory.com. You get access to people like Eric, myself, uh, exclusive recruiting coverage. Uh, if you don't want to do an annual membership, your first month is $1. That's all it costs, $1 for your first month. So j- jump in on that. All right, so Eric, we're we're talking buzzer beaters in college basketball, and I think this is what makes this sport so awesome is that they aren't necessarily going to happen every single game, but unlike in football, we often see at least once or twice, maybe in some crazy years, three, four times a year, some kind of buzzer beater game-winning shot in the final seconds of regulation or overtime for a team to win a game. And that's always just a thrilling moment in sport. Oh, 100%. And I must say, I'm disappointed. You referenced the fact that NCAA tournament games should be being played right now. And the fact that we probably would be, have witnessed a couple of buzzer beaters, obviously maybe not Oregon related, but uh, an upset by maybe a 12 seed over a five on a three-point shot from 10 feet behind the line or, or, or whatever it would have been. We, we, we would have had those moments that – are memorable and they stick in your memory and that's what this list is are, are five instances where a shot you know capitalized and, and gave a team a victory in a crucial situation and so I must say yeah the I think right now when the tournament was canceled obviously you felt it but this weekend these last couple of days are where you start to really recognize and go man it's not gonna this is a weird march this is a march unlike any other where there aren't tournament games. There aren't these buzzer beaters. There aren't these exciting upsets. And, uh, man, it stinks. But, again, we're not going to dwell on it too long. And uh, let's focus on some some exciting, uplifting moments from Oregon men's and women's basketball 
past to, uh, I guess, kind of help us move on from the fact that we're well, there's a, a strange absence of match, March Madness right now. I'll kick things off, and I will go recency bias with this one. Number five for me is Peyton Pritchard this year up in Seattle, a game in which it was in overtime, and, and Pritchard hit a bunch of shots in this one that were just like dear lord, just unbelievable shots of, of from three pointers, of, you know, getting into the lane for for layups or getting fouled, and making your free throws, uh, you know, making tight plays to tie the game, um, but Pritchard. In this one, Oregon is is tied with the Huskies, 61-61 in, in overtime. He missed a three-pointer with 28 seconds to go, but Chris Duarte grabbed a rebound, and Oregon ran the clock out, and with, like, I want to say two seconds left on the, on the shot clock, he fired from almost 40 feet and hit the three-pointer, and we get the signature moment of this is my city, he never loses up in Seattle in his four-year career and a game in which basically cemented Pritchard as the going-away favorite to win Pac-12 Player of the Year later on, which I should also note he became today, as of this recording, Oregon's first-ever AP All-American, too. We have the same number five, Matt. Um, we were talking off-air about that. We don't, we don't share what, what our picks are. We're talking off-air about how we thought we were going to have some discrepancies here. We're starting at the same point, uh, and maybe it is recency bias, but uh, Pritchard's career, as we talked about on this podcast, this season has really gone up, and I think he's solidified himself as one of the Mount Rushmore caliber guys in, in Oregon men's basketball history. And that moment, that shot, um, I think it's, uh, the shot was huge, but it was also just the, the, the excitement and the frenzy afterwards what it means to beat Washington in Seattle in a game where they really had no business even being in overtime, uh, a game they were down by about 20 points with not that much time remaining in regulation, uh, and yet they come all the way back, and you're right. I think just the, the, the excitement, the celebration right afterwards is almost, to me, more than the shot itself, just of this, this guy. Uh, and I think maybe just the growth you saw from Peyton Pritchard from his freshman year to that point because that the, the confidence and – the bravado that you saw from him in those moments, uh, in that moment in particular, was just, I think that's that's just going to be my, my lasting memory, or one of my lasting memories of Peyton Pritchard is going to be him, uh, you know, pointing at himself and, and, and uh, jumping up and down and, and celebrating after beating a shot that sends all those Husky fans home uh, in disappointment. So number two for me, or I guess I should say number four, this goes back to the Pac-12 tournament in 2015, a game in which – this was a season where Oregon was not supposed to be good because that's when the suspensions and expulsions of Dominic Artis and Damian Dawson happened, some transfers happened, and all that Oregon was left with was senior Joe Young and then – they had junior Elgin Cook, and they had a bunch of new guys coming into the program who we ended up figuring out later on were going to be some of the best players to ever play at Oregon in the last 15, 20 years. Jordan yep. Bell, Dylan Brooks, and then we saw guys like Casey Benson show up, and we saw Dwayne Benjamin show up, and somehow, some way, Oregon found themselves – 
they were they were picked like one of the bottom teams in the conference, and they went, I believe, in conference play. They went thirteen and five, and somehow put themselves in a position where they finished in the top four of the conference tournament. And Joe Young was named Player of the Year in the league. Dan Altman was named Coach of the Year in the league, and getting to the tournament all of a sudden became a very realistic probability. And in the Pac-12 semifinal game against number 17 ranked Utah, Joe Young hit an almost half-court buzzer beater three-pointer in regulation for Oregon to win 67 to 64. And that game, I think that victory basically ensured Oregon was going to be a team that was going to be a top eight seed. Like going into that game, you could argue they, they were probably like an 11, a 10, maybe a nine. Winning that game against that op- opponent, a quality of opponent, jumped them a couple seed lines, set them up for where they won a game in the NCAA tournament against Oklahoma State. They played really tough against one seed Wisconsin. Uh, in, in the third round of the NCAA tournament in the West region. And, yeah, they went on the next day after they beat Utah and, and got blasted by Arizona. But it was a moment where, you know, like it, it, I think it was a huge, huge turning point for that season for even though it was so late in the year. And it was literally a half-court shot, essentially. Mine is a women's bat. My number four is a women's basketball play and a women's basketball moment that, like you said, with the men's play, kind of a turning point in the season. This was a crucial, I think, turning point for the program. Um, you go back to 2016-17, Sabrina and Ruthie's freshman year, first round NCAA tournament game against Temple. And remember, this year they end up going to the Elite Eight. They lose to UConn. But that tournament run, I really think, really started kind of that momentum of getting them that confidence that they could compete with the top programs. But I think a lot of people forget that they had to really survive uh, against Temple in the opening round before they go out and, and beat a couple of other highly rated seeds to, to make a run. Um, but the Ducks trail with about six seconds to play, and they get the ball to Ruthie Hebert around the basket, and she puts up a shot that drops with about seven seconds to play. Uh, and the Ducks go up 71-70. Temple can't score. Oregon ends up winning. They advance. Uh, and like I said earlier, it sets up that run, that postseason run, which I think a lot of us in retrospect recognize, and they've talked about this this season, just that how much that run meant towards the, where this program got. And uh, I, I think that moment was significant. Maybe the shot doesn't stand out. It's not like a Joseph Young buzzer beater. It wasn't a particularly challenging shot. But um, it, it was a basket that set Oregon up to be uh, a team that they became, which is one of the, the best programs in the country for the next three years, and uh, I think that was pivotal. And you go back and look through the way that game played out over the final couple of minutes, and it was really just back-and-forth, back-and-forth basketball. And Sabrina Inescu had three jump shots to give Oregon the lead in the last minute and 25 seconds. Um, and then, of course, it's Heber to score the last one. But I just think you saw those young freshmen grow up on the stage that day, and I think that one can't be forgotten. Yeah, who, who would have thought, like – a lot of players on that team that have played for Oregon the last couple of seasons, I think even Kelly Graves has talked about it too, of just the importance of that freshman year of getting to the tournament and playing UConn and getting blown out really right. kind of opened their eyes to 
this is how good we have to be if we're going to if we're going to become the best team in the country and none of that's possible if, if Ruthie Hebert doesn't make that basket yeah and we and we should note that you're right that that beating in the elite 8 in Bridgeport Connecticut so right in Yukon's backyard 90 to 52 uh, that was the most lopsided loss of this whole run for for Oregon and I think that right there like you said I think that loss of course it's not the pick we're going to make here because it, Oregon doesn't win on a game winner, but that loss and that whole run there, I think is really important for where they got to at this point. All right. My number three goes pretty far back. And, and maybe this is, I'm missing something. I'm sure I am of games that happened in the early nineties or games that happened in the seventies or the eighties and, and whatnot. But I'm going to, I'm going to go back to, 2002, when Luke Jackson, Luke Ridnauer, and Freddie Jones, they were the first Elite Eight Oregon team. And I felt like this was a moment in time in which this squad, it was like their first, it was the first time the program went that far in modern basketball and opened the eyes of, hey, Oregon could be a power in the country if you know, they recruit well and they have the right coaching and, you know, it's possible. And none of that happens because if, if Freddie Jones, a senior, doesn't score a game-winning layup with like 1.2 seconds to go in the Sweet 16 against Texas, uh, I believe the game was played in Wisconsin. Um, Freddie Jones had just a horrible offensive performance leading up to that game from a scoring standpoint. I mean, he had just four points in the game. He did have five assists. He did have four rebounds, a couple stolen passes, including a very late one in the game to to prevent TJ Ford from getting a layup to take the lead. But he scored the game-winning basket. The game was tied 70-70 to with the last 20 seconds to go or the last 10 seconds to go, and he drove the lane, of, you know, dodged a guy midair trying to take a charge. Somehow he did that. I have no idea how. And just kind of finger rolls it in and Oregon walks out of that game with a 72-70 victory, a sweet 16 win, and they advance to their first ever modern era Elite Eight. That's a pretty good one, Matt. I might have that one on my list a little bit later. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My number three here, uh, also a big basket, men's basketball win here, a, a Oregon knocking off number one UCLA. And you might be thinking this is another shot that Oregon hit to by by Brooks to beat UCLA, but I'm actually going back a little bit further here, all the way back to January of 2007 when Aaron Brooks hit a baseline jump shot with about 12 seconds to go. I know it's not technically a buzzer beater, but it's just a shot that I couldn't not include on this list because Aaron Brooks hits that shot on the baseline. They knock off number one UCLA, and if you look to who was on that UCLA team, uh, it's a who's who of, of star players in the NBA from guys like Aaron Afalo, Russell Westbrook, Darren Collison, uh, I guess not a, Luke, Luke Richard Mamba Amute, that I guess there's four players there that had pretty significant NBA careers. Westbrook is kind of funny looking here. He was a freshman that year. He only had 10 points coming off the bench, but, uh, that shot I think was really significant. It was maybe one of my most memorable, um, Mac court shots. I was up. I think in the second balcony with my grandpa watching that game, those memories kind of stand out. Um, but just a, a total, you know, and 
Aaron Brooks, I think, maybe gets overlooked slightly just because uh, of some of the stuff that's happened since. But that was the shot that I will always remember him for. And I think a lot of Oregon fans will, too. I just remember uh, knocking off the number one ranked team in the country at home. It just felt like such a significant, significant thing. Um, especially after they had led for most of this game. And uh, that jump shot by Aaron Brooks was actually the only Oregon field goal over the last seven minutes of play. Um, but uh, it was a huge, huge basket and one that, that set up a really another strong run. We should, we should note Oregon goes all the way to the Elite Eight that season. That victory certainly helped set it up. All right, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the Austin Audible's podcast. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back. I'm Matt Pramer. Scopo's with me, as always, here on the Odds and Audibles podcast. And we're talking kind of buzzer beaters. And from the Oregon basketball men and women programs. And I'm interested because you named a couple of ones. I have, you know, three or four. And I, you know, I have them on my list, but they're much higher than yours. Um I'm going to go with my number two game winner being Dylan Brooks against UCLA in 2017. And I think everyone is very aware of this one. Um, and if you want to, if you want to tie it to this year's team, Oregon doesn't have a chance to beat UCLA if it wasn't for a Peyton Pritchard three pointer. I want to say a possession before that. When Brooks hit his to bring Oregon within one point, you know they were trailing by a good amount in the final minute or so, and yet somehow Oregon found a way. Pritchard hit a huge shot to set up the play, and Bryce Alford, a guy who just never misses yep. free throws, he missed the the front end, I believe, of a one and one in the final you know four or five seconds of. Regulation. Oregon gets the rebound, and we know the rest. Dylan Brooks gets the ball, top of the key, and assisted by Peyton Pritchard for a game-winning three-pointer, 89-87 victory for the Ducks. But like I said, 15 seconds prior to that shot, Peyton Pritchard hit a three-pointer to pull Oregon within 87-86. So Oregon was down four points with 17 seconds to go in the game, and somehow, some way found a way to win, and it came against an opponent in UCLA that was, at the time, 13-1 and on the year, and they were the number two team in the country. 
Matt, we're right on right on cue again here. That was also my number two. Um, that shot and ah, man, I, that was actually I think that might have been the last game I went to before being brought on on Duck Territory. So I was I was there as a fan and I remember just being in the stands, what that was like, and people people were recording it on their phones, and then when the the shot went up and went in. Uh, their phones went in the sky too, and that, a couple of people around me actually threw their phone in the sky <laughs> in, in, you know, <laughs> into the air because they were just so stunned that it happened. Because you're right, the the sequence of events there, it just didn't feel plausible Oregon was going to win. Um, you know, you put Alfred at the line, that guy's not going to miss. No, he was like a 90% free throw shooter. Yeah, I think he missed like three free throws all season or something like that, and he goes up there and he bricks the front end, and Oregon comes down and, and Dylan Brooks, and you could pick a couple of different Dylan Brooks shots on this list and, and be totally. Uh, okay, I'd be totally okay with it. Obviously, the shot at Cal stands out. I think he had another shot in the Maui Invitational earlier that year. But um, to me, that's that's a hard one to overlook. It was probably one of the more high degree of difficulty game winners too on this list in yeah. terms of like it's the game's completely on the line. You've got the ball and you have to hit like a leaning in. You know, he's leaning into a long three point shot and he just you know nothing but the bottom of the net. Um, and of course there's the celebration, fans are on the court and they look at the replay and they decide that there's some time left and there's all of that. And so there's this weird kind of like everyone's in a frenzy, but there's also the reality that like the game's not completely over. Um, but that one is hard to overlook. And, and again, knocking off UCLA, uh, in the, you know, it, in that manner because of where they were as a program at the time, I think again, this was one of those wins that sort of set up Oregon that season for what was, as we all know, a, a historical, historical run. All right, my number one is another Brooks, but not Dylan. And you've already mentioned it. This is Aaron Brooks. And look, maybe I missed something in the 90s, early 90s, or I missed something during the Kamikaze years. And if I did, I want to hear which ones I missed. But I think the number one game-winning shot comes from Oregon senior Aaron Brooks during the 2006 2007 Oregon basketball season in which the Bruins were undefeated. They were the number one team in the country. And this was a game in which Oregon was also undefeated going into this week. They lost on Thursday at home to USC to kind of downplay a little bit a potential undefeated versus undefeated matchup at Mac Court. And I was here at this game. I was in college at the time, and I went to school out of, out of state. And I was back home for winter vacation, an extended winter vacation, and got a chance to, to 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 watch this game with some friends that were at the U of O at the time. At the basket that Brooks hit the game winner. So maybe I'm a little just too emotionally attached to it because I literally saw it happen right in front of me. I was in the student section right behind the basket that he made it in. And Brooks hit the game winner for Oregon to win 68-66. And if I remember correctly, it was like a true game-winning shot, too. Um, Oregon – no, it wasn't. It was 13 – he made it 13 seconds left in the game. Yeah. Two-point jumper off the glass. Kind of was – Floating in midair, UCLA then called a timeout, and and Josh Shipp missed the three pointer, and Michael Roll for UCLA got an offensive rebound, but fumbled it, and and clock expired, and, and Oregon went out 68 to 66 as the victor. And I just look at that, and that was like, I think at that point in time during that season, 
we all kind of wondered, like, is Oregon really for real? Is Oregon, yeah. like, because remember, they opened the year 13-0, and and but they didn't really play anybody outside of Georgetown and Nebraska early on in the season in non-conference play. And you were just kind of like, is, is this Oregon team for real? And then they lose to USC 84-82 to the game before. And, and then the number one team comes into town. And as crazy as it sounds, you know, Oregon at one point was 19-2 and on the year. And I think that UCLA game really just solidified everything. I was going to say, you know whose favorite player that also was? Probably Ernie Kent, because at the time, there was a lot of kind of rumblings about, well, I was recruited really well, but they're not getting the on-the-court results. And for them, that was kind of a, a proofs-in-the-pudding play, I think, for, for him and that program to keep him obviously around at Oregon for a few more seasons because – like we established that I think that really got them rolling. And again, they, they rolled all the way to the elite eight and, and had a great season. Um, my top pick, and this was one of Matt's earlier, I think before the break, um, it's that Fred Jones finger roll. And I've, I went and rewatched that play and I know it's not a long three point shot. I know it's not uh, necessarily like a half quarter buzzer beater, but the, the degree of difficulty was very high there of him rolling into the lane, somehow, you know, maintaining the physical uh, composure to avoid a charge. Um, the shot hits the back of the rim and bounces in. I mean, there was even a little bit of uh, heroics and excitement just in the way that the shot went in. Um, and that happens with about three seconds to play 2.8 left. Um, and we kind of ran through all the rest of it plays out, but, uh, Texas actually gets a really good shot on the ensuing possession. Uh, TJ Ford gets it all the way to the rim, puts up a floater, but it's off the rim. Uh, they actually get a tip in, but it's after the buzzer sounds. And, uh, again, I think that was one of those moments that is hard to overlook. It, again, it, it, you know, earns them a berth into the Elite Eight. It was a Sweet 16 victory. Oregon was the two seed. They were favored. They led the entire game. But uh, that shot by Jones ensured that they continued to run. And you look back at that Oregon team, and that's one of the best teams Oregon has put out there with just the caliber of NBA player they had. They had Luke Ridnar, Luke Jackson, already mentioned Fred Jones. Those are all top 14 NBA draft picks. Uh, that was one of the more fun teams to follow. Um, and, and, again, I think uh, you go back and you watch that, and I think I was like, in middle school, and I might have been watching that play in like my science, my middle school science class, because <laughs> I think they had the TV on, and I just still remember everybody was, because uh, Oregon had been so good that year, no one really expected they would lose, but everyone was just losing their minds. Us 12-year-olds were just going crazy uh, after Fred Jones hit that shot. So that one, I think, maybe stands out a little bit more to me, just because I remember watching with a bunch of students at, at middle school. Real quick, before we wrap up this show, I had a couple other ones that didn't maybe necessarily make the cut, but I did consider. And I just want to bring them up. Um, yeah, go ahead. I had a Tyler Dorsey game winning three against Rhode Island in the 2017 NCAA tournament. It was the third round game, so just before the Sweet 16. I don't know if people really realize Oregon was trailing in that game. They had to come back to win it. And it at one point late in the game, it kind of looked bleak. But that's kind of when Mr. March started for Tyler Dorsey, and he hit that game-winning three, which was huge. And then two other ones I have that happened in the Pac-10, Pac-10 tournament in 2013. I didn't really know I, – I knew of these, but I forgot about them because you know, I, 
I was in high school, you know, junior, senior during this time, and it happened in back-to-back nights during the 2003 tournament. So this is when Ridnauer and Luke Jackson are juniors. And if you recall that year, going into the Pac-10 tournament, they weren't necessarily a lock to get into the dance. They were the five seed in the conference, and they needed to win basically one game. And it almost didn't happen because it took a game-winning three by Luke Rittenauer and AS, against ASU in the first round to get that win. And then in the semifinals, the Ducks played the, US, uh, the UCLA Bruins, and Luke Jackson hit a three-pointer with, I want to say, like 10 or 15 seconds to go in the game to give them the win. And then in the championship game, that's when they played USC, and they basically, like, didn't miss the entire game and, right. and blew out the Trojans to get to the tournament. But that run to the tournament wouldn't have happened if Riddauer and Jackson each hit game-winning shots. I got a couple more here, too. Um, one being the Sabrina Nescu buzzer beater to beat Cal yeah. back as a freshman. I think that one needs to be mentioned. It was, I almost, it was hard not to put that on the list, but... Uh, I, I think the significance of a couple other ones felt a little bit greater. And, of course, I think they were they trailed that game by a lot. Uh, I think they were down by six points with, like, 14 seconds to play and somehow came back. Uh, that was pretty miraculous. And then another one that's, like, super off the radar but for some reason was stuck in my head. And I don't know if sure Matt, Matt remembers this one. But the 2013-14 season, uh, men's season, Oregon starts the year winning all of its games in non-conference play. Yeah. It, it, it gets to the start of conference play, and they're playing in Salt Lake City against a Utah team that nobody really thought was very good. I had forgotten about this. And Damian Dotson steals an inbounds pass and uh, drives it down and dunks with one second left to beat Utah in overtime. And, of course, what you for, what we remember after that is they lose, like, seven straight games and the whole thing <laughs> falls apart. Yeah. But So that's kind of why the, the, the momentum was kind of lost on that play somehow. And, of course, they then rally at the end of the season, and we've talked a little bit about how all that plays out. But um, I, I think that play was, like, super random, but for some reason that was stuck in my head when we were talking about game winners just because I just – you don't see a play end – or a game end like that very often where you get a fast break dunk as the buzzer yeah. sounds. So that one stood out as a, another one. And then another one was, I think, E.J. Singler in uh, Dana Altman's very first season. I, I think it was a CBI championship that he hit a jump shot. Um, I can't remember if that was a game winner off the top of my head, but I think it was right at the very end of the game. So those were three that I was tossing around in my head. And, of course, there are probably countless others that posters and listeners are going to call out and say we're idiots for forgetting. But I think we're pretty thorough there, at least for our age, in terms of, like, we're not going to remember some Ron Lee game winner back in the 70s. I'm sure there were some of those shots. But shots that we actually remembered witnessing, um, I think we did a pretty good job of covering our bases. Real quick, where should – there's two more this season. We did a podcast earlier, and you joked about how how many buzzer beaters there were for the men's team this season. Right. Um, where should the two Arizona ones fall? Because the oh, first yeah. win, Will Richardson scores the game-winner winning basket with like six or seven seconds to go in the game on a layup just seconds after Josh Green took the lead for Arizona. And then – down in Tucson, Will Richardson feeds Shakur Justin with one second left for a layup to win the game as well. Should both of those have been in the discussion? They could be in the discussion, but I think if you're picking a game winner from 
this season. It has it's to be the, the Pritchard shot. It has to be. Because again, that's going to be like my, one of my lasting memories of him. And not to discount the careers of Richardson or Justin, but, um, I don't know if I'll have lasting, very many lasting memories, at least of Justin. Um, Richardson obviously has a lot of career in front of him still. All right. I think that's a really good list. Obviously, like Eric said, we, we were not alive for some games in the seventies. When All of them. It was really good with, with Ronnie Lee and the Kamikaze kids. If we missed one of those, let us know. I, I generally want to know about it. If we missed a game in the early 90s that needs to be discussed, let us know about it. Drop it in the comments. Give us your lists. Thank you for listening to this week's Friday edition of the Odds and Audibles podcast. For Eric Skolpo, I'm Matt Prem. We'll talk to you soon. Adios, amigos.